Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The Greenville Oaks Church of Christ seeks all who need Jesus and together are becoming His fully devoted followers, encouraging and equipping people to love God, love people, and serve others in an ever-growing way of life. Find out more about Greenville Oaks or connect with us online at greenvilleoaks.org. As always, we ask that you subscribe to, rate, and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Colin Peck. series on the Holy Spirit, and I, I can't thank you enough for the interest, for the uh, comments that I've received of encouragement, for the ways that you all have engaged this series. Uh, it's hopefully a new information and uh, stretching all of us in some ways. Uh, and I, I wanna, want you to know I'm blessed uh, by you, and I thank you. And today I, I, I want to talk about spiritual gifts. And I, I want to thank you in advance for the generosity you'll show, because this is a conversation that we often don't delve into. Uh, but I want to start by encouraging you to open your Bibles. We'll, uh, we'll spend the majority of our time in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 later on uh, in the sermon, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. Uh, and then once you put your bookmark there, we'll spend some time in John 14 to 16 also. Uh, let's pray as we open God's word this morning. Father, I pray you would speak the word that's needed today to our hearts, to our lives, to our spirits, to our hands and our feet. I pray this morning you'd pour through me the gift of preaching so that Christ would be formed in our hearts so that we might leave with a greater sense of your calling on our lives. So would you speak in unique ways, in ways I have no idea how. And I pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. The problem in many of our churches today is a lack of spirituality. But in Corinth, that was not the problem. The problem was that they were too spiritual, which sounds odd on first hearing. Too spiritual? What could that possibly mean? What I mean is they were so confident in their spiritual position that they believed they were above the ordinary morality that God and Christ and his life was calling them to. A few examples. Chapter 5, there's a stepson who's sleeping with a stepmother and not just doing this, hiding it, but proud of this fact. Apparently, they believe they're so spiritual that God's grace will cover it. Let's boast in the grace of Christ. This must be fine. Chapter 7, there's an issue going on in marriages in the church. Some of the women in the church believe maybe that they're so spiritual they don't need to have sex anymore with their husbands. And that's creating a conflict, as you would imagine, in the church. But Paul says, no, that's not how this works, that intimacy between a man and a wife, that's a good thing. Chapters 12 to 14, though, as we come upon this, there's a problem with how the Corinthians are using their spiritual gifts. 
Now, it's hard to reconstruct exactly what's going on. I wish I had a camera or a video that would show me exactly what's going on in these worship services for a lot of reasons. Uh, but we don't have that, and we don't even have the letter that comes to Paul that's talking about all those problems. All we can pick up is one side of the conversation. Paul is addressing these concerns, and there seems to be a problem because they're honoring some gifts more than others. There's more public, more spectacular gifts, gifts like healing and prophecy and tongues that they elevate. See, it was really important. And there's also these other gifts that are not so significant, not so obvious or public. Gifts of wisdom and knowledge and faith. These are diminished in that church. And these spiritual gifts given by the Spirit are causing problems. Again, the problem in Corinth isn't that these people aren't spiritual enough. It's that they're too spiritual, almost of no earthly good, which may be a word for us this morning. And at this point, I'm sure most of you could think of an obvious antidote to a church that may be too spiritual. Well, just stop teaching on this Holy Spirit stuff. Spirituality is about the Spirit of God, and there's too much of it. Just tone that down a bit. That's some of our tradition and background, maybe. In my reading preparation for this series on the Holy Spirit, it was really interesting as I was reading authors that were talking and scholars that were talking about the different texts, how they almost always started the same way. And they would basically say, I want you to know I have a balanced approach to the Holy Spirit. And what that meant was, I'm not like the frozen chosen who don't believe the Spirit does anything anymore today. And I'm not like those holy rollers that believe that every worship service needs to be filled with charismatic uh, craziness. I have a balanced view, as if to land on either side would be a problem. But seeking a healthy balance of the Holy Spirit assumes that there are some who have too much of the Holy Spirit. And what I would suggest is, I've never met anyone with too much of the Holy Spirit. After all, in Ephesians 5, verse 18, it says you're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a prayer I've been encouraging us to pray as a congregation. God, fill us with your Holy Spirit. And that that phrase is, is packed with meaning. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. These seven words were commanded. It's a command. It's, 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 it's a command for us to live this out. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's an imperative, not a suggestion. The command is plural in the Greek. It doesn't just apply to one person. It's not a suggestion to one. It's may this community together be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's passive. This is not something we do. We don't fill ourselves up. It be filled. It's something that has to be done to us or in us. And this plural passive command is also in the present tense, which means it's continuous, which means we leak out spirit at times, right? We're not as full all the time, and that filling needs to continue to come. We need to keep making an important distinction. The Corinthians may have been too spiritual. They were not too full of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible to be too full of the Holy Spirit. The problem in Corinth and our problem today isn't having too much of the Holy Spirit. The problem is when we use the gifts of the Spirit to draw attention to ourselves or to become arrogant about our special relationship with the Holy Spirit. Let me suggest two signs that I think the Holy Spirit's not involved when often people would claim the Holy Spirit's absolutely involved. Number one, if people are drawing attention to themselves, we're not talking about the Spirit of God. And number two, if the Holy Spirit is the central focus, the end of what we're focusing on, it's also not the Holy Spirit that we're talking about. And why do I say that? I say that because there are churches that have become so focused on the Holy Spirit that Jesus and God the Father take a lesser role. And I would say that the opposite can happen, right, in our background. Spirit's role is diminished as we focus on God the Father and Jesus. 
But that relationship is kind of this submissive relationship to one another. The Spirit's pointing elsewhere. God's pointing to Jesus as his beloved Son. Jesus is glorifying the Father. See, the Holy Spirit has one overarching goal. And if you want to sum up what the Holy Spirit's about, he's about glorifying Christ. What do I mean by glorifying Christ? The Spirit advertises Christ. The Spirit draws attention to Christ. He doesn't even speak of his own initiative, Scripture talks about. His job is to glorify Christ. The Spirit is busy making Jesus famous. Look at how uh, John chapter 14 to 16 describes this. This is Jesus' words about the Holy Spirit that I'm reminding you of. We've been over through this series, but listen to this. John 14, verse 26. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. What's the Spirit's role, Jesus says? The Spirit's going to come, and if you forget what I say, the Spirit's going to remind you of what I've taught, what I've said. John 15, verse 26. When the advocate comes, when I, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. The Spirit testifies about Jesus. Chapter 16, verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. The spirit glorifies Jesus. The spirit reminds us of what Jesus taught. The spirit came not to point to spirit itself, but to point to Jesus. So if you see people who are drawing attention to themselves or drawing attention only to the Holy Spirit who may even be too spiritual in the case of the Corinthians, they're mistaken about the Holy Spirit. Like I said earlier in this series, the Holy Spirit is not a power or a force that we harness for our own agenda. The Holy Spirit uh, embodies and, 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 and dwells us for the sake of God's agenda, for the sake of the kingdom of God lived out on planet Earth. But as we welcome God's kingdom, I'm finding that many of us find it difficult to name God's activity. Many of you have talked with me about different experiences you've had, mystical encounters with God through this series, how you've experienced the Holy Spirit in your life. You see God working, but sometimes we can become hesitant about naming that activity. After all, what is a miracle, really? We want to see miracles, but when they happen in our lives, we're a little more cautious to name them. And when they happen in the past and we see them at one moment and claim, that's God's work in my life, isn't it interesting how five and ten years later... It becomes harder to name that with the same boldness we once did. What is a miracle? One definition I saw this week said, a miracle is a surprising or welcome event that cannot be explained by natural and scientific laws. And by that definition, it would mean that anything that we can't explain must be the work of God. I don't think that God gives God enough glory. Do you? That even the natural wonders, the things that have been spun into existence, we give glory to God for those things because I would rather be in error for giving God too much glory than not enough glory. And I think sometimes we're guilty of that. But what's interesting in the Gospels is as much as people want to see the miracles of Jesus, as much as they're drawn to Jesus because of the miracles he does, miracles don't always result in faith, do they? Sometimes miracles just result in a desire and a thirst for more miracles. I want to be around this guy because maybe he'll feed us again. I want to be around this guy because maybe I can see something miraculous. Because here's the truth. Miracles do not always transform, but transformation is always miraculous. Let me say that again. Miracles do not always transform, but transformation is always miraculous. Just look around a minute at this room. 
Just think back to the people that you grew up with in faith. You can point to examples of people who did not become greater followers of Jesus. But anyone who's looking more like Jesus, it's not them. (laughs) It's the miracle of the Holy Spirit involved in their lives that makes that possible. We don't earn transformation. We don't white-knuckle transformation. Transformation is a gift of the Spirit that we cooperate with. And I believe the Holy Spirit still works miracles today. Do you believe that? I mean, there's no indication I can find in my Bible that the miraculous charismatic gifts are dead. I think it takes a poor reading of Scripture to make that claim. But alongside the miraculous gifts of big prayers answered and lost children who come back to faith in God, there are miracles that happen every day that we don't have eyes to see. Maybe even within the last 24 hours, there are those moments. There's a quote by Sarah Bessie as she talks about miracles that was really enlightening to me. Listen to this quote. Here is something I've learned about miracles. Miracles sometimes look like kapow, lightning strike revelation, and sometimes miracles look like showing up for your counseling appointments. Sometimes miracles look like instant healing, and other times miracles look like medication and patience and discipline. Sometimes it's the daily unsexy work of loving people and choosing justice, even if no one ever notices. Yes, we ought to give God more glory than we sometimes do. We ought to pray for eyes to see and a heart that's ready to respond to God, which brings me back to Corinth. I see no reason to believe that the charismatic gifts of the Spirit are dead. And I know some of you disagree with me about that, and all I can say is we're still brothers and sisters. It's okay. Remember, Paul is writing to a crowd that believes the more spectacular public gifts are the better gifts. The Corinthian church loves it when people speak in tongues. But Paul has some hard words to say to them that we need to hear this morning. In chapter 12, he says, every part of the body is important. Even though there are parts that are more public and their gifts may be more obvious to people, there, it doesn't matter how obvious it is that to Paul, the appendix is as important as the arm. But in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, he gives a summary statement about these gifts that I want to read to you. It's the summary for all that he's going to work out in chapters 12 through 14. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Why are these gifts given? Paul says it's for the common good. This is not for you. It's for the good of the community that God's drawing together for the good of the world. And we each have a different role to play. Let's drop down to verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 12. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Here's where Paul's bringing a message of correction for some of our brothers and sisters in the charismatic community. I don't know if that's a message from God or not. (laughs) We're listening. There are some churches that believe that tongue speaking is a sign of one's salvation. If you have the gift of tongues, then you must be God's child. And if not, then maybe you aren't saved. But Paul clearly assumes in this passage, as he asks these questions, that different people have different gifts. 
Some are apostles, some are teachers, some have the gift of tongues, some have the gift of healing that God gives. But regardless of your area of giftedness, it doesn't just matter that you have gifts. Paul actually says, look, eagerly desire the greater gifts, but there's no guarantee that you're going to have one specific gift that shows that you're one of God's elect, as some have taught. But Paul also says eagerly desire those greater gifts. Let's read on in chapter 13, verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. It's a challenge to Corinthian Christians. You might have the gift of tongues, but if you don't have love, it's just a gong. It's a symbol. But this verse ought to challenge us as well. Because every one of us who has the Holy Spirit has gifts. And any of us who use those gifts without love being the primary way we exhibit those gifts, it's just a gong. It's just a symbol. But regardless of your area of giftedness, you were called to serve one another with love. And Paul clearly tells these people, you got to figure out what your gift is. you got to give that gift with love. And why do you give it? For the building up, for the edification of the church. That's what he says in chapter 14, verse 1. Follow the way, the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets. Why? So that the church may be edified. That's the purpose of these gifts. Over and over again in chapters 12 through 14, your gifts are given to build up the body, to edify, to oikodomeo, to build a house of God's dwelling. Verse 12 again. So it is with you, since you were eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. So let me ask you this morning, with the gifting you have received from the Holy Spirit of God, and each of us have those gifts who are followers of Jesus, who received this spirit from God. Are you using those gifts in love? Are you using those gifts for the building up and edification of the body, for the sake of God's mission in the world? See, these gifts were not given to you for you and for your agenda. These gifts were given you as part of a larger body with Christ as the head to utilize those gifts to build up that body. I hope this series has, has challenged you. I hope you've learned a few things along the way. But more than anything, I hope it's not just knowledge you're walking away with, but it's a deeper connection, a greater longing, a prayer that God would fill you with the Holy Spirit, not just so that you feel filled up, so that you just know what your gift is to give to the world, but that you might build up the body of Christ that's at work and mission in the world. I'm grateful. Every time I, we have Discover in Greenville Oaks, this morning, I said to a couple that was there, I said, every Discovering Greenville Oaks, where we gather new people and get to know them and their story and we get to see their gifts, it's like unwrapping a Christmas present. Because we don't know what sits on the other side of this table. We don't know your story. But what we do know is God has uniquely gifted you and our church will be better for it if we find a way to utilize those gifts for the sake of God's mission. That's why we're members of a church, not because members like Sam's Club or or a health club. That's not it at all. Members of the body that play the role they have so that the body can function best. And let's be honest, the church in America could stand 
to be working a little better, maybe a lot better. It's moments like these in our community over the last 24 hours as I drove out of my neighborhood and saw red and blue flashing lights from the night before that I wonder, are we doing what we're called to do? Why didn't I get to know my neighbors and when there was an opportunity to give people a message and a story that's bigger than the ones we're buying into? I, I see a crisis right now in our culture. I, I see uh, especially young people who are growing up without a meta narrative, without a story that they're giving their lives to, without a community that's receiving them in no matter where they come from and no matter what they're struggling with. And when you don't have a community, you're going to find a community. And when you don't have a story to live into, you're going to find another story to live into. And right now there's all kinds of crazy stories to live into. But what we do as the people of God is we come together, not in partisanship, not in holding up that our side's right, not in viewing all the evidence and trying to figure out how we've got the right bias and the right answer to all of this. Not with simple solutions, because it's never that simple. We come together reminding ourselves of the story we've given our lives to. When you were baptized, if you've taken that step, what you did is you went into the waters, and when that happened, you died to who you were. You died to all the secondary uh, tribes and commitments that you had. And you took on a new body, and you took on a new story, and all those things washed away, and you became a new creation. That new creation is called up into a new humanity, called up into a new reconciliation. You were all ministers of this reconciliation church. And I don't have answers this morning. I sure wish I did. And maybe that gift of prophecy is out here and we just need to give an open mic to hear it. But all I can say is I'm tired of red and blue lights in my neighborhood. And I'm tired of seeing our young people give their lives to stories that are lesser than the story of what the gospel gives to us. I'm committed to praying about this. I'm committed to seeing the battle larger than flesh and blood. I'm committed to seeing this as just a battle over sides, but seeing a community of people called together for the sake of a story and a mission that is larger than what we've captured our eyes in lately. I want to ask you to pray with me about this. And I don't want to just end there. I want to figure out a way that we in our community can make a difference. That we in our community, we can live out the reality of what the gospel calls us to be. You realize in Acts 2, when they're living this out, what it looks like? They're meeting in each other's homes daily. They're, they're sharing a meal. They're breaking bread. They're drinking of the same cup. They're being called into a mission greater than themselves. And you know what happens? Yes, 3,000 people are baptized, and the Lord adds to their number daily those who are being saved. Because they're in community together. They're being caught up in a story. And they're in community. And that's the thing we need right now, Right? Is a common story, a common gifting. And these gifts that God gives to us in the spirit, in all of our unique ways, they play a role in how the body lives that out in the culture. I started this series with uh, an analogy, a metaphor, a story. Uh, Addison was in the car. She was two years old at the time, our daughter, and uh, she's playing on her iPad, and it's a Wi-Fi iPad, and we get out and away from internet access, and she's upset because the Netflix isn't working. 
And it's really hard to describe to a two-year-old why that's not working exactly as it should. But as I think about that, I think, man, that feels like the church right now. Got all these gifts that are available. But you can have all the gifts in the world, and if you are not connected to the Spirit of God with the story of the gospel, with a message about the humanity of all creation, we're all one, church. And that's what, that's what everyone in our culture needs to hear right now, is you're not other. You're not separate. We've all been created in the image of God, and we need a church that can put that on display and call humanity forward to make the world say, why in the world are these people together? Because everything in this culture should separate them. And we stand together and we say, because there's something larger that holds us together than those secondary tribes we tend to lean into. We need a story. And we need a mission. And we need to use the giftings that God has given us in bold ways, courageous ways. And so I'm wondering right now what ways your courage may be lacking. What fear may be there in your life right now to step out and to walk beside people? What story you might have that's that vulnerable story you're afraid to share, but maybe the very thing that invites people into this story to say, you're welcome here. Because God's invited me into this story and we need to go about this together. So the source of this is the Holy Spirit. The source of that power that allows our iPads to go, it may be Wi-Fi, but for us, it's the Spirit of God. So I want to close the time this morning with an invitation to us as a church. I want to ask that uh, you uh, listen to the Spirit of God in your life right now. Whether it's courage that you need or whether it's repentance that you need. Or maybe it's the first step to be baptized into Christ this morning. Maybe it's that connection that you said, I don't know if I'm connected to the Spirit. I've never made that decision to follow Jesus publicly. This morning is an opportunity for you to do that. So you can respond in several ways. In fact, right now I'd like to ask those who are elders, prayer leaders, to be at the back of the room and uh, be prepared for, to receive people. Uh, staff, if you're here too, feel free to, to do that and be prepared. Uh, this morning, there's several ways you can respond. One is if you know that there's an area of your life you've not turned over to God that you need to do, that there's a mode of repentance that you need to move into, the Spirit of God receives that and you can be forgiven and you can be healed of those sins as we confess those one to another. And so I want to invite you to that. There will be uh, people around the room to pray with for that need. This morning, I also want to offer an opportunity that we often don't provide, and it comes out of James chapter 5. Uh, James 5. I want to read this passage to remind us this is actually in our Bibles, and sometimes we forget that as we walk through life. James 5, verses 14 and 15. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. We want to give you an invitation, an opportunity this morning to be anointed with oil. If you desire physical healing in your life, there's nothing magical about the men and women who will be praying over you. But we have oil in this back room that if you desire for the elders to pray over you for whatever may be ailing you, we believe in the power of the Spirit to heal and can use this as an avenue. And so if that's a desire you have, that back room will be available to you. But I also want to say if this morning you want to give your life to Christ, come pray with us. Come find me. Find someone in the back. We want to make that happen this morning. This morning in first service, Laney Rose was baptized. We got to celebrate that together. The other opportunity is if right now you're just burdened for our culture, for our city, for North Texas, for 
the crisis at the border for the violence that's all around us. Greg Kaufman's in the back in this corner at the garage room and love for a group of people to go back there and to pray together that God would somehow move and speak to us to know how we as a church can uh, step up and move and, and work and call on the power of God to fight a battle that we can't fight on our own. So this morning as we uh, offer this opportunity, as it's moving into afternoon, I want to offer you that opportunity to respond, whether it's for healing in this room, whether it's for uh, praying over our culture, our country, our city, whether it's uh, responding in some personal way to a prayer request you have or you want to give your life to Christ, this morning is your opportunity to do that. So be standing now and let me pray for us as we move into this uh, opportunity during this song. Feel free to move about as you need. God, we ask for your healing for a moment in our culture where we'd be honest about what's really going on and where the battle really is rather than the battle we sometimes mistake. I pray the morning, God, that your spirit would move through this room. And if God, if healing is necessary and, and it's your will, God, we pray it would move this morning in some miraculous way. We pray for our country and for our city and for all those who are experiencing pain. God, we ask that you would move and that you would work. We would be people who would move toward justice and we'd figure out ways to respond. God, we lift up also those who want to make a decision today or want to repent or want to step into forgiveness, God. However we need to respond, would your spirit convict us and would we move this morning so that it can be done? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. We hope this message helps you in your walk to find real significance in Jesus. Connect with us on Facebook. You can find and like our page at Greenville Oaks. Discover more about the Greenville Oaks Church online at greenvilleoaks.org.